Welcome to The Sending Space. We recently had a gospel community fiesta, and what that means is we basically just gathered together, and we were in the church parking lot, and uh, we just had a good time eating together, and also shared uh, some vision for what's happening with gospel communities and where we see it going from here, but also celebrating what God has done over the last couple of years as we have um, tried as a church to shift from a traditional small group model to a more missional gospel community model. So we wanted to share that with you here so that you can be encouraged by what God has done and also uh, so that you can see what the vision is looking ahead. So here's the um, audio from that night. You'll hear from me and you'll also hear from Pastor Ryan. But we're just going to kind of share a few things about gospel community. And uh, I just want uh, everybody here to uh, make sure that you can see like what God is doing here is amazing. And I want to I invite us further and further into a thing that I think God has been doing here that is a beautiful thing. And I think God is setting us on a trajectory and I want to see us keep rolling with that. So uh, I'm going to tell, tell you some things that I think you probably already know. So um, a church on a Sunday morning is, uh, is an amazing thing. If you think of what church looks like, most of us will think of a church building or we'll think of a church service, and you have uh, songs that we get to sing together. You have some announcements that are usually pretty uh, winsome and hilarious, depending on who's giving the announcements. Um, and you have a sermon. And, and that's, like, that's like what we think of as a church service. Like, this is what a church does. This is what a church is. We think of the Sunday service. But if you stop to kind of break down what's happening in a given church service, what you basically have are three to four to 10 people, maybe, in an entire church body that's actually using the gifts that God has given them, right? So Pastor Ryan is amazing. I love him. Um, I, he has been a huge uh, source of encouragement and strength in, in spiritual growth for me and for all of us as well. Uh, the Holy Spirit has empowered him to teach us and to spur us on and to help us to grow and to just draw closer to him. But he is one person and one part of this entire church body. And so God brings us together. God puts us together because the Spirit of God is not just in the pastor. It's not something that happens magically at seminary where we get the Spirit of God and we move on. The Spirit of God is in us as a body. It's about who we are together. It's about how we function together. It's about being a community and investing in each other, um, pursuing a common mission together. It's not something that can happen when a band on stage leads and uses the gifts that God's given them, not just when someone delivers a sermon and God uses those gifts. It's about what happens with all of us. And so um, church is amazing when we go to the church service and we get fed and we everything else. But what is vital, if we're going to be a church in the way that God intended, if we want to do church in the way that God has designed it, we have to go so far beyond anything that we could ever accomplish and even the very best church service. Like it, it just has to go far beyond that. Otherwise, it's just a show. There's, you, can watch, you can listen to a podcast. You can watch a sermon. You can read a book, and you can get spiritual feeding. But if we're going to be a church the way that God designed us to, we have to be involved in each other's lives. And so there is, in the New Testament, the descriptions of the church are so big. They're so profound. It is about mutual love and care for each other. It's about people who are actually sharing their lives with each other. It's, it's not about uh, there's a need and then, you know, a, a memo crosses the pastor's desk and the pastor goes and figures out how can I help meet the need of this person in the church. It's about having people that actually know you and they, they realize there's something going on in your life and they're ready to just reach out and share that burden and, and help meet your needs together. 
Um, it's about sharing all these things together. This is what the church body was intended to do. Because every single one of you, as we were saying, every single one of you has spiritual gifts that God has empowered you in. And, I, and I've actually seen, like, in seminary we did classes. Um, in, in different churches we do these things where we do, like, spiritual gifts assessments. And the idea is we're trying to figure out how am I gifted? How does God's spirit, like, worked and empowered me? And then we try to think how does that fit within the church? And we think of the church as a structure. And we think of it as a series of programs. And we think, okay, I have this gift so I can serve in this official programmed ministry or, or that one over there. And we try to fit it all in these programmatic, official, sort of corporate boxes. But if we think of the church as a family, and if we think of us not necessarily as people who attend a service, but if we think of ourselves as a family that lives in a real place together and can share our lives with each other, then our spiritual gifts take on a whole different light. Because it is now less about, my teaching gift is less about what can I say from a pulpit in front of a crowd of people, and it's more about how can I look another human being in the eye that I've been getting to know for a period of time and say something that God has put on my heart that God has been teaching me, right? Just sharing, like, I, I was reading this in the scripture, and I just think it, it might encourage you with where you're at in life. Um, our gifts of, of being able to encourage other people, it looks less like, how can I say something to the entire congregation? It looks more like, how can I look at the people that God's placed around me and just say an encouraging thing to them? All of these gifts, all the ways that the Spirit of God empowers us, they fit together like a puzzle with this smaller groups of people that God has placed in our life. And it's not just the way we care for each other. It's also about this mission that's out there. I, I can tell you it is so impossible for a pastor to stand in front of a group of people and say, we have this mission. There's people that need Jesus all around us. We've got to reach out to them. Let's go do it. And then we come back next week. Let's go do it. Let's go do it. And we keep saying that over and over again. But I'm telling you, it never happens until we start living as the body of Christ and looking at the people around us and coming alongside of each other and looking not just at our area as an abstraction, looking at our area as a number of people, but just saying, what about my actual neighbors? What about my actual coworkers? What about the people that we're interacting? And we begin inviting those people to dinner. We begin having a good time together with them. We begin getting to know what's going on in our lives. And that is when the Spirit of God can begin to empower change around us. And so I, I love this dinner right here because uh, what, what we've been trying to do for the last couple of years is we've been trying to reframe our concept of ministry. And we tend to think of ministry as it's the programs in the church. The church sponsors it. The church puts it on. The staff arranges it and gets it ready. And then you sign up and you fill slots in the program that we create. And we've been trying to reframe our concept and say it's not about, ministry is not primarily about programs. When we think ministry, we want to think of a table, and that can be a metaphorical table, right, where we're sitting down, we're kind of like around and we're talking to people. But we're, we've been saying for the last couple of years, we want to think as often as we can of a literal table. And ministry is what happens when we sit down with other people and we share an actual meal with them and we just begin to relate. We begin to share our lives with actual literal people. And so gospel community is the fruit of that. Um, it's what's happened is we have begun to say, okay, we're going to reframe this around our tables. We're going to get to know each other over tables. We're going to invite other people to see the empty seats that we have at our actual tables and invite other people into that. And I'm telling you, it has been a beautiful shift to watch. Um, I, and I'll, I'll tell you, not just for me as a pastor, for me as a human being that has been trying to serve God for my entire life, I've gone through seminary, I've learned all these things. This is how ministry works and everything. It has been actually, absolutely life-changing for me to be part of a structure where we say, let's try to eat with people as much as we can. It just opens all these doors, and it just changes things from being this unnatural, um, programmatic, structured thing, 
and it turns it into just a way to, to casually share life with people, get to know other people, invest in them, um, and to move on from there. And so this dinner is amazing because here's what, what's happening. What I can see as I'm looking out here right now is there's all of these tables, okay? And so if we took all of these tables and we imagine that these are our, our actual dining room tables, okay? And we've been eating around these dining room tables in our homes um, for the last couple of years. We've been sharing life. We've been sharing meals on these actual tables. These are our dining room tables. And then this now is us gathered together as a church. And just imagine that we all brought our own dining room tables and chairs here tonight. And we set them here and we're saying, we are a group of people that have tables. We've been sharing meals. We've been out in this community. We've been loving people. It's been a beautiful and amazing thing. And now we're bringing them together to say, hey, we're also a family in a bigger sense too. And we love being together. We love just sharing the things that God has done. Each one of these tables has stories to tell about God has done this. As we sat around, we had that one meal that one night, and God did this amazing thing for us. We all have these stories that we can share. And then we come together and we say, God's been good. He's been blessing our conversations. He's been blessing the things that we've been doing together. So I have seen um, an amazing shift in Creekside. Um, Creekside's been an amazing place uh, before the four years that I've been here, but God's been doing amazing things as we've been opening ourselves up. I know many of you have stories, and I, I want to share a little bit of that too, but um, first I'm going to ask Mark Ehring if he would come up. Mark is, um, he has been a part of a gospel community for a long time. He is, uh, he and Jennifer are um, hosting their gospel community this year. And um, so I just asked him to share a couple of stories that have happened in their group this year, and then I want to um, share some other things that have happened in many of your other groups as well. All right. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, I think, in all the gospel communities. Yeah, just in our small piece of the uh, pie, we have the Marins group, which we joined two years ago, and it's been a, just a great experience. Uh, one of the first things that we we're able to do is uh, <clears throat> our neighbor across the street, Mike, he was a single guy. I used to talk with him once in a while about the Lord, and uh, he ends up dying suddenly. And his mom had to come up and take care of uh, the funeral proceedings for him from Fresno. And so I went over there, and we talked, and she didn't know what to do. She didn't know the local area. There's a lot of things that um, she was just wasn't sure about. So we ended up coming alongside her as a gospel community. We were able to use the event room here at uh, Creekside. We put together the food. We organized it. We got them in here. And we had family from all over the state, I don't know about the uh, country, that came in for this, uh, this uh, memorial service. And it was just a fantastic way for us to be able to bless uh, this family and have them see what Creekside was about what Christ was about. So it was very exciting to uh, be part of that. Uh, one of the other things we've done is we had a portion of us do the uh, Good Neighbor Group for World Relief. Uh, so they do Afghan, mostly Afghan refugees. They'll bring them in, and uh, we as a Good Neighbor team come alongside that family and try to help them get into the local programs, figure out, you know, U.S. stuff, because they're coming from a completely different culture, it's pretty crazy. And so, you know, Scott and I especially, we've been still texting with Araj. This is from last November. And he's, you know, getting ready to get to his job in engineering. And, and so we still are building that connection, that relationship with uh, a family from the other side of the planet. So it's a pretty neat thing that our gospel communities be able to do. 
And the last thing I'd share with you is uh, Rick from our group. He had signed up for feeding the homeless in Folsom, and he didn't realize that uh, it was he had to do the whole thing himself. <laughs> so he's like, hey, guys, I signed up for this, and I didn't realize we got to do everything, right? Bring all the food together, everything. So we all rallied around Rick, and we were able to use the kitchen here and get the food all prepared and then run it over to Folsom. And it was just a great way for our group, again, to come together, to reach out, show God's love. And I know that's happening in all these other gospel communities. And I really love how our groups can use their gifts. Uh, you know, we're not, again, like Mark said, it's not just coming here for church. We want to be able to build those relationships, be able to show God's love, and start those conversations with folks in our neighborhoods and around the world. So thank you, Mark. Mark Herring. I'll be honest, I hesitated to have him share because once you hear him talking to a mic, you never want to listen to anyone else's voice again, but at the risk of that. So we have all kinds of incredible stories that have happened, and there's, there's tons that I don't know about, um, but I'm constantly hearing people um, just share. And so let me just say, I don't think gospel community is perfect. I don't think we've done a perfect job as leaders at making it happen. Um, I don't think any of your groups have functioned perfectly. There's been people that have slipped through the cracks. There's been things that have gone wrong. But what I do think is that this is an incredible win for our church family, and um, I think that it builds on a long tradition that Creekside has had of solid small groups. So many of you have been here through growth groups and life groups, and I feel like there was a couple of other things they've been called to, and then we revolutionized it with the term gospel community. But um, I think it builds on this wonderful tradition that we had, but in the last couple of years, I mean, as we have, we've, we've talked about this before, there is, um, if you think of a triangle, there's three, so, there's three corners, and, and we think of them as up, in, and out. Up is, the, there's worship of God that's taking place. Our, our relationship with God is vital in the gospel communities because that, that is just, what, that's what life is about. We're relating to God better. We're helping each other do it. There's an in component where we're looking at each other within the church, and we're saying we love each other, we want to care for each other. And then there's an out component where we also say, we want to reach out. We want to look at the people that aren't here at this table, that could belong, that are hurting, that need a family. They need people to come alongside of them. And so the, the main thing that's happened in many of our groups is adding that out component and saying, it's not enough. Uh, John Sturdock has this beautiful phrase, very eloquently put, where he says, uh, groups used to be us four, close the door, no more, right? Did I get it? Uh, and, uh, but we're saying, no, that, that, who cares? Like, it's great for us to be together, but someone else needs to belong too. And so we've been making these shifts. And so I, I, the, the Lockwoods, they have this story about they were, um, they, they've been like trying to reach out more and they went around in their neighborhood and they began just like introducing themselves. And they said it was like life-changing in the sense that people are like, oh, we, we used to have like a list of like who lived where. We used to know these kinds of things, but it's been a long time since anyone's ever gone around and actually like learned each other's names. And so they've been meeting neighbors and it's just, it's eye-opening. Um, our group, we've been doing the same thing, just meeting neighbors, getting to know people. It's not like some massive mass conversion is happening or anything, but it's just life. It's, it's people that are being um, just treated like human beings. Um, there's there's uh, the Silvas. They have this story about they they're, they moved into this trailer park a while back, and as they're part of this community and everything, they just began to see there's these needs with people just have um, stuff that needs to be hauled away um, to the dump, and they, they don't really have means to do it. They don't really know what to do, and so their gospel community just came in and said, hey, we, we love these people that you share your life with and live with, and so they came in and just did this whole huge work day where they renovated a bunch of stuff, took a, a bunch of stuff for people, and it was 
a massive event in the life of this little community. And it's just because people are looking around and saying, how can we help? How can we bring the church to bear, not just on what happens in one building, but on our community as a broader whole? Um, there's, there's, uh, there's another group that has neighbors that are, um, that are just like wonderful people, but they, uh, they're not Christian, and they're, they're like doing their own thing or whatever, but they've invited them in. And over time, now this year, they are sitting down in the planning meetings for what's gospel community going to look like this year? How are we going to, where are we going to meet? How are we going to do this? And their non-Christian neighbors are actually part of this thing because they see this is a community that we can belong to. These are people that love us, that we want to get to know, that we want to spend our life with. I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, we've been able to have, um, uh, my wife and I have our girls play tennis. And uh, so we have tennis practice and we've done that a couple times by ourselves. But this year, um, this last round, we got a couple of people from our gospel community. We got a couple of neighbors that live across the street from us, and we got a couple of people um, that are from our kids' school, and we all did tennis lessons together. And so we were able to, um, last spring, just sit down like a couple nights a week for like four weeks or something and just talk. And I'm telling you, it was, it was amazing. It was just like sharing life. It's like we're stuck here together. We're just talking. And the things that we got to talk about, we've been living by our neighbors for a while, but we had some of our best spiritual conversations just watching our kids play enjoying life together. There's this, this opening up and there's this looking out that's happening that I haven't experienced before in other churches, but it's a beautiful thing. Um, there's another group where um, there's, you know, a bunch of non-Christians in the neighborhood. They're not church people. They're not that interested in church, but, but um, through the efforts of this one group, they invited them in to say, hey, do you want to do a, a story of God's story? So they, they invited them in and they, um, they, they studied this curriculum that we have that's available to all you guys called Story of God that just goes through, this is the big picture storyline of the Bible. And it's not preachy or anything, but it's just going through each piece a bit at a time. And so some members of the group and some members of the neighborhood just went through that whole thing together. And you're seeing lives transformed and, and, and just like things beginning to click for people that might not be connected prior to that. Um, the group I'm part of, we had a family um, in our group that are like amazing people. And they went through this massive tragedy a couple of years ago where their, their little girl died and um, our group was there, and we were able to just be there already. We didn't have to hear the announcement because we were already part of their lives, and they opened up to us, and they shared with us, and we were able to, um, you know, bring food to them. We, when they were ready to come back to the group, we were able to pray for them and just be part of it, and we got to celebrate when, um, when just, like, life begins to just take shape, but we're still there when things are hard for them, and it's just, I think, a beautiful picture of what a family does. It's just not solving everyone's problems, but it's just being there with people as things happen. There's so many groups like that where you guys have, you know, provided funeral services for people. You've provided meals for people inside the church and outside the church. You've been a source of encouragement, of strength, of service to different people all around you. Another really cool thing um, that we've seen, uh, I've, got a, I've got a group of people that is um, really frustrated with me, and I say this in love. They know who they are, and I've been talking to them. Um, they want to go visit people in the hospital, okay? And so uh, when people are in need, when people are in the hospital, they want to be sent in, like, put me in the game. I'm ready to go. And I've told them, as soon as I find someone that's in need that, uh, that doesn't have a gospel community already there, like, pouring into them, that I'm going to send you into the game. And it's really frustrating because gospel communities are there. Every time we find out about it, it's like, hey, can I come and visit? It's like, no, we have way too many people here. Our group's there. Now, that's not, I'm not saying that's perfect, but I'm saying lots of these stories keep coming up where, where there's just already, by the time I, in my official capacity as a pastor, hear that there's a need, there's already Creekside people there helping, praying, and um, it's a beautiful, it's an amazing thing. It's how family works. It's how things should be.
um, this year and last year too, but we're seeing all kinds of leaders step up. We're seeing groups multiply. So we went from uh, 13 groups when we started two years ago. Last year, we were up to 18 groups. This year, we're up to about 23 groups. And we're seeing this multiplication happening, not because I'm um, launching groups and everything else, but it's because groups are inviting people in, and they're getting too full, and then they're multiplying out. And we're seeing people then step up and say, hey, I can lead a group. I see what this is like. I'm going to do it. It's a beautiful thing. There's leadership development that's happening natural, naturally, and there's people just stepping up to say, I can do this, and we're seeing growth in how this whole thing takes shape. More and more people being invited in. There's also fewer and fewer people who are signing up for groups through the website. Now, if you want to do that, I, that's fantastic. I would love to get you connected with it, but I'm seeing more and more and more people are beginning to just say, hey, why don't you join this group that I'm a part of, and it makes my life super easy, and I feel like it's the most natural way to do it because people are just saying, hey, I'm doing this thing. Would you come and do that with me? It's a huge, huge win. Um, we're, having, we're seeing a huge increase in the number of people that are actually having missional conversations with other people, meaning just talking about the gospel with people who don't already know that much about the gospel. Like, that is on the increase at Creekside, and I'm telling you there's nothing that I want to see more as a pastor than to know that this kind of, this, these kinds of gospel conversations are being had by you guys as you live your regular lives, as you invite people into your group, or as you're talking to people outside you're just, you're having gospel conversations, and it's a beautiful thing. I think we're seeing overall a decrease at Creekside in a consumer approach, like a, a typical approach to ministry. If, you, if, you, if you've been at Creekside, you just know the perfect, okay? But I'll tell you, other churches, just kidding with this, um, they, uh, they, they create programs, and then what we do, this is like, this is how the typical American church works. We create programs, we create things that we want to be part of, honestly, just like this dinner, and then we have to advertise it to you guys, right? So it's like, here's this thing, here's what we're doing, like, how can I get you in at the gospel community dinner tonight, you know? And so we're having to like push and, and pitch and just persuade and everything else, and I'm seeing increasingly, I, I'm seeing a decrease in that at Creekside, where we're not having to pitch things as much anymore. We're not having to try to persuade you as much. We're just seeing people living together, sharing meals together, doing things more naturally, inviting people directly in, and that is a beautiful thing too. And I just want to, um, like when we're, when we're here together, when we're at Creekside together, everything just feels like what it feels like. We, it feels normal to us and how we do it. But I'm telling you, uh, Pastor Ryan and I have been at um, different denominational things. So we, we go with other pastors. We do training. We do cohorts together with them. And um, there is a ton of conversation about mission, missional living, missional church. These are all buzzwords right now. Every pastor of an established church wants to be missional, wants to have a church that's actually engaging their community and stuff. But I'm telling you that a lot of it is just talk. A lot of people want to do it, but they have no idea how to do it. And when we share stories of what you guys are doing at Creekside, it is often like an inspiring thing to these other churches. Like, wow, really? That's actually happening? You're actually seeing people invite other people, and you're at, they're actually talking to non-Christians? You actually have non-Christians, the non-churchgoers that will join your groups for meals and things? Like, it is inspiring. It's amazing. People are surprised by it. And so I think for us, it feels like, yeah, why can't I be part of my old life group anymore? Or, you know, we just feel like it's a normal thing for us. But I'm telling you, there is momentum and there is traction that is happening here at Creekside. It does not mean that we're perfect. It does not mean that we as the leadership are doing everything right. But I think it means that we as a family have gotten a vision for a thing that is beautiful, that is needed, that's good for our own souls. And it's also exactly, I, it, we are on the trajectory, I believe, for what God created his church to be as a people that 
shares their lives together, that serves and loves each other well, and that reaches out to the world around them. It's, it's as simple as that of loving God and loving other people, and I think we're on that trajectory. And I just want to encourage you guys, it has been beautiful to be a part of a body that has been willing to put up with changes, um, changes in structure, changes in emphasis, changes in kind of what we talk about and everything else, changes in how we sign up and do groups and everything else, even some shifting around that maybe was inconvenient and everything, but it has been such a beautiful thing to see this beginning to happen and taking shape and to be now at the beginning of our third year of seeing this happen. I, I, I just am so thrilled to be part of this church body and to watch as God continues to move. So I'm thankful that you guys are here to celebrate what God is doing. I'm, um, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be able to be part of this whole thing. You guys are um, this is, this is a family. It is a family. It's on a mission. We keep talking about it. And sometimes when we talk about it so much, we, it's like, let's do it, let's do it. And I just want to pause and say, it's happening. God is doing it. You guys are allowing the Spirit of God to use you, and it's beautiful. Um, I want to, we're going to do, do something a little unorthodox um, coming up in a couple of weeks. It wouldn't be Creekside if we didn't try something like that. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to have uh, Pastor Ryan come up a minute. Yeah. Let me, let, me, let me just kind of pause there. I want to I pray for a second, and then we will have Pastor Ryan come up and share the unorthodox thing. Just keep in mind, I said all the positive things, okay? Now Ryan's going to have you do something crazy, okay? But, um, but I, I want to just stop and, and pray. And sometimes when we pray, it's just like, okay, the guy up front is praying. I'm going to close my eyes for a second, and we'll move on. I would just love it if you could, where you're sitting, um, let this be our prayer. You don't have to say my exact words to God, but just... Let's, let this be us as Creekside, thanking God for what he's done in our lives and for what he's done in our body together, okay? So let's all engage with God where we're at and just offer this prayer of thanks to him. Lord, I am so thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for what you have done in my life. Lord, you have saved my soul. You've forgiven my sins. You've given me a purpose in life. You've given me a, a beautiful family in the literal sense and also in the metaphorical church body sense. Lord, I, I thank you for what is happening here at Creekside, where there's people that are not perfect. There's leadership that is not perfect, Lord, but we are here together to say that we love you, that we are thankful, so thankful for what you have done in our lives individually. We're thankful that through all the amazing ways that you do, that you have knit our paths together so that we can stand here, we can join together around these tables tonight and just be with people that we love, that we have served together with, that we've prayed together with. We've carried some of these people through hardships, and they have carried us. Um, Lord, there is, there is a love for you in this place, amongst this body. There is a love for your mission, Lord, and though we are so far from perfect, Lord, we love that you call us, that you use us. And so, Lord, I just thank you for what you've done at Creekside. Thank you that you've allowed us to follow you, Lord, in, in we just offer ourselves to you, Lord. We are your servants. Even as Pastor Ryan has been preaching these last few weeks, we are just stewards of the gifts that you've given us. Lord, this mission is yours. Everything that we are and everything that we have is yours. And so we just offer ourselves to you as stewards, and we just say, Lord, please use us, carry us. Do what you want to do in this area, in our neighborhoods, in our houses, in our church body. And I pray that you would just use us to do that. And we just thank you so much, Lord, that you have carried us so far. And Lord, we just trust you to carry us the rest of the way. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want to just talk about is the unorthodox thing we're going to do in just one second. But 
Uh, I'm going to read to you a very familiar passage, and uh, I have a question for you after it. This is Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. I would say this is the, this is the early church and description of the early church. Uh, we share this with gospel communities all the time. I think this is the vision for gospel communities, if you ask me. Um, and, and the reality is we all know that that this passage isn't necessarily prescriptive. It doesn't mean that we always have to do these things when we get together, but it is a very inspiring description of the early church. And so here we go, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves, that being the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. What I love about that passage is just the, in like, kind of the whole culture that it paints. I feel like it's a very vivid image of what the, the kind of the church is, that it's not, hey, us gathering and me teaching or someone else teaching and worship and somebody leading worship and somebody watching our kids. That's not what church is. Church is a family gathering together, a church being able to eat um, break bread together, learn together, uh, share each other's burdens. There's healing happening among people. People being prayed for. Miracles are happening, and more and more people are joining. It's like this beautiful picture of what the church uh, was in the early church. And so, okay, so my question is, in order to do Acts 2, chapter 42 to 47, um, what, do you, what do you need? What do you need to make that happen? Like, let's talk about the logistics. Do you need a 44,000-square-foot commercial building? No. What do, you, what do you need? You just need a place to be able to gather people, right? And you just, I mean, really, like, early church was happening in homes. It wasn't happening in commercial buildings. It wasn't happening in big church buildings. It was happening in homes. And so when these gatherings are happening, they're happening, and there's 30 people, 50 people, 80 people would have been huge back then. Sometimes they'd gather in these synagogues, and when you think of a synagogue, don't think of anything more than like going to like a church in Mexico where it's, there's 70 people packed in a really small room. That was the synagogues of the times. It was much more small, much smaller, much more specific, uh, much more local. And I think honestly, as I reflect on like my time at the church, um, bigger feels better sometimes. Bigger feels exciting. Like I love the fact that we're doing this. It's exciting to see all the gospel communities. It's inspiring. But this can't be, this actually isn't as local and specific um, and, and, and actually practical in meeting the needs of people as meeting in homes in our gospel communities. And sometimes even our gospel community will get just even a little too big to where you can't know everybody, hear everybody, know everybody's story. So the reality is true ministry happens when we think smaller and smaller and smaller. True ministry happens when things are specific, when things are local, when, um, when everybody's contributing their gifts. And so here's the challenge that we're going to have. We are going to, on November 10th, on November 10th, we are not going to do church in there. That's a Sunday. We're going to do church in homes. So what we're going to do is everything that's usually happening here um, is not going to go on. Um, and we're going to have your gospel communities and some other volunteers uh, 
offer up their houses as the place where we're going to gather. And if that's going to happen, if we're going to gather in homes, what does that mean? Well, we should probably read the Bible together and it's not going to be me in your house and it's not going to be, Heather's not going to lead worship for you. I mean, she might lead it in her gospel community, but the reality is we all have to start contributing our gifts if we're going to make the gospel and make church happen locally and in homes. And so what we're asking of all of you as gospel community leaders is to lead home church. You only got to do it one Sunday. We're not going to make you do it every Sunday. You're going to do it one Sunday. But what it automatically starts to do is it starts to put pressure on the areas where I think we need some pressure. In Ephesians chapter 4, um, the Apostle Paul talks to the church in Ephesus, and he reminds them that God has given some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be shepherds, and some to be teachers. And in our current American culture, a lot of ways we translate that is, oh yeah, there are some who are called to the profession of apostle, and some who are called to the profession of shepherd, and some who are called to the profession of teacher. We think of it like some of you are lawyers, and some of you are doctors, and some of you are uh, 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 teachers, and others of you are accountants, and there's all different kinds of careers. We think of it that way. That's not what the Apostle Paul meant. He meant that sitting at your table right now, that there is composed of a table filled with apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, that in this body of Christ, we are gifted as apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And that means that you, we have gifts in this body that they are not going to get used unless we make church a little bit smaller and a little bit lo- more local and a little bit more specific. And so the minute that we do church and home, it gives you an opportunity to look at your gospel community and say, who's going to teach? Who's going to pray? Who's going to lead us in worship? Who's going to serve the community by helping to cook a meal and being hospitable? Who's opening up their home? How are we going to pray over people? How can we do church here so that each person contributes their gifts rather than it just being a few professional people contributing their gifts? And if there's anything that we feel like is the heartbeat of what we're trying to accomplish as the church is we're trying to kind of shed some of that idea that the church is what is happening here or that we as the staff represent the church, or that even the elders represent the church, but we are the church, right? And when we are the church, then the gospel and the love of Christ can go wherever we go. I can tell you the way that Jesus is going to be known on my street in my neighborhood isn't because we invited everybody to church. It's because the people who love Jesus on that street in that neighborhood, they acted like the church, They loved people like the church. They built community like the church. They told people around them who they've come to know about Jesus. And we were the church. Rather than having it be something that we bring people to, it's something that we embody. And that's what I love so much about these gospel communities, already getting glimpses and tastes of it. I mean, Mark was not lying. So in June, we went back to EFCA1, which is this big national conference, and they asked me, to lead with a, another pastor, uh, a, a breakout session on discipleship. And we were leading it, and we were like looking at each other like, uh, <laughs> we don't know if anyone's going to show up to this thing. Nobody knows who we are. Nobody cares who we are. Like, there's lots of better choices than us. And there, were, there was about 300 pastors that ended up coming to this thing that we were doing. And when we started talking about gospel communities and sharing some of your stories, I would have pastors 
I mean, I had a line of people after then coming and asking, how did you guys get there? How are you doing that? That's what we want to be doing. I can't believe your people are leading in their neighborhoods. I can't believe unbelievers are coming to different things that are happening. Um, when we sat last year in, uh, we did a gospel community leaders meeting. We had gospel community leaders chart up on the wall or on a poster board. They wrote, uh, when they started their gospel community, how many people would come to their gospel community that had no contact with Jesus? And the number was almost always zero, right? Who were not, not uh, unbelievers or whatever. And then as, then we asked them to chart, as the months have gone by, how many people have come through your gospel community who wouldn't call themselves followers of Jesus and wouldn't have walked into the walls of Creekside Church? And you could see in every single group that there were these charts. There's zero, and then there was two, and then there was zero, and then there was three, and there was zero, and there was ten, and then there was zero, and there was four, and there was zero. And you could start to see it looked like the stock market of people coming, you know? And you realize that there is impact that's happening, right? And so the reality is the way that people are going to be reached in this city I think, especially nowadays, I'm not putting my money on inviting everybody here. I think that the way we're going to reach and impact our city is that we need to think really close, really local, really specific, and, and, and by name. Like, how does John, how does Suzanne, how does Joel come to know Jesus? Because I know them. Oh, I can invite them into my home. And as I have a group of people who love Jesus who come to my home and we are the church, so I can invite them to join us in that. And they can meet the community of faith. It's not, it doesn't have to be as complicated as bringing them here or as inauthentic as bringing them here. But it does mean that what Jesus said is true. That if we're going to go and be the church and we're going to do home church and we're going to reach our streets and our neighborhoods and our local schools and the people who are around us, if we're going to do that, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And I will tell you, the greatest enemy, the greatest enemy to being the church in the city is, um, is a consumer mindset to church. It's thinking that the church is a product, something that we produce here, that we all love. That is the greatest enemy for us living out on mission because it makes us think that we, our goal is to bring people to see this thing rather than our goal is to get to know the hearts of the people around us, and that it's our responsibility as a prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or teacher to bring the message to them. And I can tell you, it's um, in the gospel community model, what's been so great for us is it isn't just, hey, let me train you in evangelism so you can go out and share the gospel with somebody when you have the chance and you're all alone and solo doing it. What I've loved about the gospel community is sharing the gospel isn't about giving the Jesus pitch at some point. Sharing the gospel is about together us all being the love of Jesus, right? And in the most success we've seen in our gospel community has come from friends that we all meet and we we kind of our lives intertwine. We invite them over to our house for dinner and then we invite other people over to our house for dinner and then we all are loving the people that are around us and it becomes very much a communal effort to care for and love and reach out to people rather than something that's just on me. So anyway, in, Mark's gonna give you, Mark's gonna help distribute all of the details. If you're overwhelmed by how am I gonna do church in my home in November 10th, uh, don't worry. We're not gonna set you up for failure. We're gonna give you some instructions. We'll tell you what to do. 
But I want you to begin thinking. I want you to begin looking at your gospel community. I want you to begin to look at the faces of the people who are there and the people that you're going to, you know, ask in our congregation who you want to add to your gospel community. I want you to begin to think, how would we, if we were going to do church in our home, how are we going to do it? Who's going to lead what? How's it going to work? How are we going to work together? What's it going to feel like? Do we want to have a meal together before? Do we want to have, what are we going to do with all the kids? Because there's no kids ministry, right? When you do it in your home, what are you going to do with all the kids? How can the kids be included in the community, in the church? See, church doesn't have to look like a 45-minute sermon. I know you guys just love to sit there and listen to me talk forever, but it doesn't have to be like that, right? It can just be about looking at the teachings of Jesus, praying together, eating together, loving one another. And so you get to design church in your home the way that you guys would do it to reach the community that you're reaching. And I think it will be a really special moment and a great reminder that we're the church. That's not the church. I'm not the church. Mark's not the church. The elders aren't the church. Staff's not the church. We're the church. And this gets us one great glimpse of that, you know, this evening. 